During these times of significant acceleration and digital transformation, our next guest is pushing the healthcare industry to embrace and implement structural change so organizations can deliver their mission in effective ways. Alex Castro, CEO of MCorp, joins us to discuss how he leads the world's only outcome management company focused on selecting and executing strategic initiatives that deliver a faster and more successful outcome. Additionally, Alex discusses his book, Measure, Execute, Win, which examines the industry's cognitive biases that profoundly influence decision-making practices and the need to strip those biases out for more precise, data-driven services. Join us to learn how Alex and his team are bridging the gap between strategy and execution so companies can maximize outcomes. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Alex, a big, big welcome to our podcast. It's so exciting to meet up with you today. Hey, how are you? It's great to be on. Well, Alex, as an aligner of execution to strategy for digital transformation and innovation, and someone who believes that the gap between ideas and execution is a persistent problem that is sidelining too many high potential digital transformation and innovation growth opportunities, I am eager to dive into this conversation, especially as we focus it around the healthcare industry. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Alex, it's almost time for our community to learn how MCorp has become the world's only outcome management company focused on how you select and execute strategic initiatives, which includes your team's work in public health, where you've been guiding and delivering immunization program outcomes for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and state public health departments for more than 16 years. Wow. But first, what is that one piece of advice that you would give others? who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world. Be adaptive because the world that we are in is changing faster, I think, sometimes than our own biases can keep up with. Now, did that, <laughs> there's so much I want to ask on that because so much has happened over the past year and a half, Alex. Would that have been your one piece of advice back in 2019 before the pandemic? <laughs> Uh, probably not. You know, in 2019, it probably would have been more, you're too stuck in dogmatic thinking and, you know, what will it take to get you to look at the next generation of process approach? But yeah, I think 2020 crisis definitely stimulated artificially a lot of need to do things differently and look at the world differently. Unfortunately, a lot of people had to suffer for that. The upside is that it's really helped transform the way that we look at ourselves and the people around us and the healthcare business overall. Well, I couldn't agree more. You know, yeah, joking aside, it was one of those 
points in time where we had to innovate. We had mm-hmm. to adapt because there was no other option. This was a must. This was a need, especially in healthcare. We saw the compression of time in regards to the cycles of adopting, say, telehealth or how fast we rolled out vaccines. I mean, the notion of, uh, you know, back before the pandemic, oh, it's going to take six to nine months just to pilot your telemedicine application. Then we had to adapt. We go into the pandemic. It's now taken, you know, three to six days to stand up a technology. And I'm sure you've seen that with your own practice, Alex. Being adaptive and adapting in this current environment is crucial. And I'm imagining, Alex, are you feeling that we're going to need that even moving forward because things are going to continue to accelerate? Would that be true? I believe so. But also, I think that people expect that of us now. We are our own worst drivers in this process, right? Because we're not just involved in the healthcare space and doing things here. We're also customers of it and we're users of it. And we are citizens of change ourselves. And so, you know, the thing that I continuously reflect on is that back in August of 2020, our initial team was asked to begin to develop the COVID vaccine distribution system for California, as an example. And this was before a vaccine was even available. There was no understanding of how it would ship, how it would work, where it would come from, the volume, how the specifics and the details around the vaccines themselves would work. And our teams had to develop the strategies and implement them within months to be ready in our first release in November of how to distribute vaccine for COVID, which was a brand new entity within the market. Well, you're teeing me up perfectly for the rest of our conversations. We're going to dive more deeply into that. Talk about obviously your history and how you got to where you are today to be able to deliver on something of such magnitude. We're going to dive into all of that after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Alex Castro, CEO at MCorp. We have a lot to discuss today. Alex, you guys have been at it now at MCorp for almost 18 years. We're going to talk a little. I know you're also an author. One thing that I'm aspiring to be one day, I want to get a book <laughs> out. So I'm looking to you, my man. I might have to ask some tips for me personally. Obviously, an author there and some of the things that have been happening with your book. Great things happening in MCorp. And then, of course, all the things you've been doing in healthcare, right? This is a huge industry, the biggest industry in the United States. Like you said mm-hmm. earlier, it touches every single one of us. Want to talk a little bit about uh, what you guys did there, especially, of course, focused on and how you teed us up earlier on the things in regards to the pandemic. But, of course, Alex, while we have you here on the podcast, want to talk a little future state as well. Where do you see things heading 
you know, you are an expert in this space. We need to look to experts to you to, hey, what's on the horizon? The horizon's coming at us, you know, very fast. What should we expect? Where do you see things heading? Of course, how we can be helping you out as well. We'll ask that and then we'll get you out of here. But first, Alex, go ahead and rewind it a bit. Take us back. How did M Corp come to be? You know, again, almost 18 years old. How did you find this space? How did you find this as being your niche to really move industry forward? Right. So, you know, pretty much unplanned, like everybody else within the business world. <laughs> we originally started as a software as a service company in, in 2003. And long story short, we were too far ahead of ourselves in the market in terms of what we wanted to do. And, and so really what we did is we wound up retrenching ourselves into transformational initiatives within healthcare, within public health to really help in the immunization space, to help within Centers for Disease Control in immunization. And really, we discovered that we had kind of this secret sauce on getting an idea through the gauntlet of execution into really successful outcomes. And fast forwarding to this point, what we've done is we've wound up consolidating that and taking that intellectual property and actually building out platforms that really accelerate a team or a company's ability to get from idea to outcome in a very structured, consolidated way that removes a lot of the initial burdens that are involved. And so outcomes are faster, they're cheaper, and there's more of them to get through that gauntlet. And when you first started, were people even in this mindset, you said you were a little out ahead of yourself, of course, in regards yeah. to building a technology platform for the business, and then you pivoted over to this as any good entrepreneur does. But yep. when did you start seeing a change in the marketplace? Be like, yes, I get what Alex and the team are saying. I now need that. I know we need that in order to continue to be relative in the marketplace, to be successful, to thrive. When did you start seeing those market dynamics shift to where, okay, we really need Alex and the team? Really when data became essential. There was a time where a lot of processes were these hybrids between manual and automated and tech, you know the technology had its place but once really the era of analytics came in and analytical sciences began to play in we found that deeply especially in our healthcare clients that the data they were utilizing or gathering was really incomplete insufficient the mechanisms that they were using for gathering information were consuming vast amount of resources, typically up to 40% of their people process technology and dollars just to gather base data. And the data, again, that they were getting really wasn't all that great. And it didn't allow them to do the predictive modeling, didn't allow them to really do the initial analytical process that would allow them to forecast, to be able to gain, really gain the insight that they needed to make better decisions. And that was really one of our major tipping points is the fact that we, for whatever reason, developed a very keen understanding of how to make that process so much more efficient, faster, cheaper, virtualized, so that resources could be pushed right back into the analytical analysis process without the data cleanup that's necessary so that people could get more out of you know, a lot of their reporting initially. And now as it's progressed, it's moved into the AI machine learning, predictive modeling space. And that's become even more critical, right? Because now the conversation is, do I have a data lake? Do I have a data stream? 
Am I, how am I implementing this? How am I using the information? And for a lot of the listeners, they're going to really reflect on the fact of how mired down they are in the simple data collection, data cleansing prep process, which is a root cause to not being able to see what's coming at you. And so as a result, what we've been able to do is develop three fundamental platforms that allow healthcare to understand better. How do I gather better data, more complete data? And we're doing that very much right now in the COVID space, as an example. So right now we're doing a lot of that automated data cleansing, data merging, data preparation that allows public health departments to go in and understand their vaccination rates and immunization rates, not just for children, but for all constituents. But beyond that, it's also the ability to do forecasting and understand what the behavioral patterns are associated with people within their context. And our automation is fully cloud-based, low to no footprint. It's the kind of thing that today, and because of the 2020 crisis stimulating that transformational thinking, is really allowing health leaders to be able to utilize data, focus their resources on using information rather than gathering information, right? We've been in this stage where people have been stuck, again, gathering info, cleaning it. Now they're focusing more of that back into the utilization side. And also too, Alex, you know, I've been in healthcare myself for many years and you you probably have seen, you and the team have probably seen this. A lot of it as well that, you know, I'll just call it out. It's a lot of mindset, right? Mm-hmm. We've always been doing this for so many years. We're just going to keep doing that, Alex. And why do yeah. I need a change now, right? Again, the pandemic, of course, exposed so much and mm-hmm. forced us to do new things because we had to. But did you start seeing that mindset kind of shifting to where people are like, okay, Alex, I get what you're saying. Everything you just mapped out just now and how important has that been to allow organizations to go into this transformation journey, that mindset in and of itself? Look, you know, in 2020, what happened was a lot of leaders turned to their transformation teams and said, look, all this stuff that you've been working on, we need to implement now. And their transformation teams kind of looked at them and said, yeah, it's really not as far along or quite as robust as we had hoped by this point. In that letdown, fundamentally, in transformational readiness to jump into a virtualized world or deal with the criticalities of what's happening. I mean, I see it within the public health space, but I also, I'm on the board of trustees for Sutter Medical Center in Sacramento. And watching that institution have to react to the things that have come at them because they're a tertiary facility, they're dealing with a lot of change and behavioral modeling in terms of how they do their work. I know of hospital systems across the country that are drowning in costs, right? And now, the trend is outsourcing, rev cycle, IT, any kind of admin function, you know, from the person greeting you to a lot of the back office operations, completely outsourcing that into a pooled resource model that a lot of entities are offering. The entire healthcare space is forced to transform because of not only the cost, but also the attrition rate. I mean, At the time of our conversation right now, you know, my mom is going through and experiencing this. She's 86 years old and, you know, took a fall a couple of weeks ago and she's going through this whole process. And her experience going through a hospital is very different from what she remembered it to be when she was younger, meaning like 
less than 70. And not only that, the post-facility recovery process, access to uh, nursing care, access to uh, nursing assistant care, in-home care, all of this has changed, all of it. And now a lot of folks are flying by the seat of their pants. They're trying to make decisions in real time but the data isn't there, the insight isn't there. They're trying to then populate and drive that insight. And so it's almost this perfect storm that is causing a tremendous amount of disruption within healthcare, not only from the provider side, payer side is having to deal with a lot of different issues as well, but also from a public health perspective, from a personal health perspective. And that perfect storm, while it creates a tremendous amount of disruption, I like to offer that it is a indicator of potential and to increase opportunity to now take that leapfrog approach to doing the next generation of healthcare without having to truly go back and convince a mass audience to do it differently, right? Because the audience is now screaming for it from every context within healthcare. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's so true. It is amazing. Like you said earlier, you just said it just now with your mother. We all experience this and it is, man, there is a long way to go with so much of it. And it's, you know, with an industry that touches us so personally, it's, if this can't get you fired up to really get up and really make a change, I don't know what will, but uh, Alex, thank you for sharing that. I also want to change gears a bit. Of course, I teed it up yeah. on the front end. You know, I'm looking at you as somebody that I want to aspire to be, be an author, all of that good stuff. Amazon bestseller published a book. You're also the founder of the RemScore. I want to unpack that a bit. What might our leaders that are listening in, <laughs> sure. you know, let's talk about that. What was it like writing the book? What was the experience of launching RemScore? Measure, Execute, Win by Alex Castro. You can find it on Amazon, number one bestseller. Let's talk about being an author. What was that like? And what can we learn from all of that as well? Yeah, you know, it's, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have felt the same way. It's like, there's a lot of great thinking stuck in people's heads, right? And it's there and it bounces and rattles around. And I actually articulated this in my dedication is that if I had just gotten the book out sooner, you know, the quality of life of the people around me would have been much higher, right? Because they have to sit, sit there and listen to me like constantly brainstorm outward on it. But really what it was a driver about is again, out of our business and really what we're seeing in the industry is the cognitive biases are deeply influencing decision-making practices. And those biases are what is really derailing about 80% of the great ideas that we and our teams are having in terms of how to do something better, how to execute or grow or provide better services. And the challenge for leaders, for executives in this context is that they believe that they have a knowledge base. And what I tend to really reflect to them is that historically, if you look at the 20 years of behavioral economic data that supports you know, a lot of where I come from, is that it's these predisposed biases and beliefs that really influence us into a direction that's not accurate. And then what happens is that we come up with this idea, we come up with a strategy, and we lob it over the wall to a team or a project manager, program manager to go and execute this thing, you know, either operationally, technically, or some other facet. And this person is looking at what they've just been handed. And more often than not, they're like, yeah, this isn't going to work. I know it's not going to work. I can't tell you why it's or not it's going to work. But now I'm tasked to go do this thing. 
And, you know, as I said, 80% of these strategic initiatives either fail outright or get reduced by 40, 50% just to get there in double and triple in budget. And then people are looking around saying, what the heck happened? And the reality is that if we can measure, really do an analysis, because now we're in the age of analytics, right? You know, we have this capacity, harvest that information, process it, measure it, and provide a score back, like a credit score, almost like a strategic credit score that says it doesn't validate that the idea is good or a bad idea, right? Because there's a difference between good idea, you know, or idea execution versus project or initiative execution. In understanding that, we can narrow what we invest in. And we can invest in the things that will actually execute and can be delivered. And what that begins to do is that you begin to build deeper momentum into your execution capacity because there's this deep belief that says, hey, look, I just did this thing last week. So we've got the capability to do this. And I kind of come back to them with a sports analogy and say, well, the team that won the Super Bowl last year should win the Super Bowl this year, right? Because they've got all the processes nailed. They've got all the same players. They've got all the same processes. They've got the tape and the analysis and the preparation, right? They did it. So they should be able to do it again, right? And it doesn't work that way. It simply just flat out doesn't work that way. And what gets thrown in the middle of that is decision bias. It's these cognitive biases that we use as leaders to make our choices in terms of what we're doing. And if we can strip that out, and we can look at something from a pure sense and really measure it, and not only measure it, but measure it in a few days, not months, we can actually make more precise data-driven decisions that allow more initiatives to get through the execution process because the people we're handing them to are better aligned. The issues that need to be resolved are resolved before we engage you know, the process or the life cycle. And so the outcomes are better, but not only that, Think about how much more invested your employees are going to be, your teams are going to be in the brand because your brand represents winning. Your brand represents when I'm given something, I win more often than I have to abandon. And that's a big part. Well, and that's what the reason why I wanted to highlight this, Alex, is because these are just absolute structural issues within healthcare, right? I mean, it's Absolutely. such a big big industry again touches all of us it's the biggest yeah. industry in regards to gdp and i love how you said alex that it narrows the focus for success right yes there's so much to accomplish within healthcare but then of course as you mentioned you start you know layering on top cognitive bias and then all of a sudden there's so much thrown over that nothing gets done but if we can come back, narrow the focus, success begets success as well, Correct. right? All of yep. a sudden, we start getting in this mindset of knowing what has a high probability of winning and being successful. And how to win, right? Yeah, and how to do it, right? You know, part of what happens when you begin to measure that capacity and capability and its alignment to the idea is you begin to really understand where those vulnerabilities are and why they exist. And depending on how aggressive your strategic initiative is, it could be an acquisition, it could be a new product or a new type of offering within the market or doing something in the back office to do some optimization kind of a thing. When you begin to understand how to metric that out and utilize those metrics to correct the misaligned capabilities within the business, you begin to see an, a momentum going forward of productive winning. And that winning inserts such a stimulus 
of excitement and commitment to the brand purpose that it feeds on itself and you start to really see and overcome a lot more things in meeting the challenges as they come at us. Because we're not in this place anymore where you get to adjust or a second chance or kind of retool. The costs are too high. The consequences are too high. People just don't tolerate it. Us as consumers don't tolerate it, right? If you're driving customer experience in association to patients, they don't tolerate it. So you've got to be able to nail it on the way out. And if you don't, you don't get a chance to recover. Uh, there's so much to unpack there. This is so exciting, Alex. And, well, extend the podcast. Make it bigger. Right, right. We're going long. We're going to extend the version today. <laughs> Does this sometimes get under people's egos, right? Because, you know, this is my baby. I want to throw this one over the fence. I know this one's going to win, Alex. This is it. This is going to be a home run for us, but you know, then you throw it over the fence and then the rest of your team is like, ah, no, this ain't going to work. How does this line up? How does this square up with some of that status quo, the kissing the ring of orthodoxy? This is how it's always been done. How does this challenge that status quo? How does this challenge egos in healthcare? It's a great question. You know, there is some ego in the context that you hear that individual who says, I've been doing this for X amount of time. I know how it's going to work. That, in essence, is a bias, right? So now you're hearing this person elicit, you know, or you're, you know, really uh, project their bias into a situation. And what I offer back in intending to try to neutralize a little bit of that thinking is saying, look, the reality is I and you do not know the situation as well as we think we do. And that there's too much information coming at us too fast with too many variables that are moving too fast, Okay. That's not our strength, right? Like you and myself, there are many people who are listening to this, that their capacity and their strength comes from being what I call the ultimate wood chipper. They know how to intake raw material, process it in a correct way or an efficient way, and output a consistent product. What they misinterpret as their gut or their secret capacity capability or what differentiates them is they think that they understand the material coming in and how it needs to go out better. And that's not where the strength is. The strength is in the processing of the information. They can digest, strip away the inconsequential elements and really in a very efficient way, understand the root element. Now, if you look at things that way, now you're open to different data. Now you're looking at more holistic ways of approaching. And really the biggest resistance in this type of model is that people are afraid that by doing this analysis early and really removing those biases or the impacts of those biases early on, correcting the gaps in capability and the alignment of capability to idea that somehow that's going to slow your project down and people just want to go, right? How many times have you heard people saying, we'll deal with it when we get there? And you can't do that anymore. The last 18 months have shown us we cannot do that anymore. And this existed prior to that, but we can't do it anymore. And more importantly, the people who we serve expect more of us. And so the timeline is even shorter. Well, let's talk about that. We can't do that anymore. This is a perfect segue into future state, right? You yeah. know, Alex, being an industry leader, 
you've been in the trenches, you've seen where we're at, but more importantly, you see where we need to go. Alex, where do you and the team see the industry heading? And then also with everything that we just unpacked, again, this might be an extended version. I hope this is a great <laughs> conversation. This is so fascinating. Everything that we unpacked in regards to your body of work over the past you know, two decades, where do you see things heading for your teams? And of course, as I mentioned, the industry at large, because like you said, we cannot keep doing this anymore. What's next? What's next really is stripping away the things that we traditionally relied on and really moving towards what is more productive, right? And so I'll focus in on that. So it's not such a generic statement, you know, meaning that we traditionally spent a lot of time doing analysis paralysis work, right? In the sense, is this the right idea? And we spent a lot of time gathering the information to make a better decision necessarily, or what does it need to do? or the core data that we needed to pump into our analytical or predictive modeling or AI and things like that. And the reality is that those types of works have to now become almost a as a service model. We don't need to own that stuff anymore. This idea of pure ownership of every touch point within the supply chain associated to what we do is an antiquated management model. It really is. And for anybody who may be raising an eyebrow at that statement, it's not a judgment of you. It's simply the fact that, again, we are in a space that the economics and pace do not allow for that traditional circle the wagons, own every touch point model. What health leaders need to be able to do is focus resources where they deliver mission in the best possible way every day not on the ancillary practices or things that they believe they need to own. And once that threshold can be crossed and that conversation can begin, then you're going to start to see this exponential sort of, trans not, I hate to overuse transformative, but this really exponential adaptive model towards healthcare and providing healthcare within the context of a changing federal system, supplier system, as well as patient system. And so the thing that I think, you know, as we began this conversation is saying, you know, we're, you know, what's the big change? You know, the big change is the fact that we have to be adaptive and we can't do that if we're anchored into these old ways of thinking, into owning every process in the chain, having domain over every single thing. It's just if you take any sliver of what you do as a professional, for anybody who's listening to this, who is truly in the healthcare profession, if you take a look at what you do and across the business, the complexity of your role and the roles of other people has exponentially grown in the last two, three years. You can barely keep up with your own level of expertise within the context. Now to say that you're going to wrap your arms around every single facet of that big diamond that we call healthcare is, I think, utterly unrealistic. And it's to our own detriment and it slows our own progress down. And what we really need to begin to adapt to is saying, look, I want to be able to bring things in as a service. I need to be able to bring them in, utilize them, let them go and then effectively apply them when I need them. But my core work, my core people, process, technology, and money 
are being spent on mission delivery and mission delivery almost exclusively. And everything else is an ancillary benefit to that. It is not something I directly have to have control over. Wow. But we're going to leave it right there because you nailed it. I love being, you know, having our healthcare leaders focus on mission. It's so powerful and it's so needed. We have to get there. We need to continue to and they want focused to get there. on that. They do. Yeah. And all of us, we need to empower each other to do it, right? It is going to take all of us to move this behemoth of an industry forward. And more importantly, to create the industry that we all know we can. We have some of the smartest, brightest, most passionate people on the planet in this country. There's no reason why healthcare and innovation cannot be the leading industry for other industries to look at, right? There's no reason why we can't. There's amazing minds working in this industry and with leaders like you and sharing these thoughts with our community. These are the ways we're going to get there. So think of that, Alex. But of course, we want to flip the script on you as well, how we can be helping you. What's one problem, need, or question? This amazing community that's tuning in on the weekly, what's one problem, need, or question that you and the team have that they can be helping you with? You know, really from hearing from people would be fantastic to understand where is the resistance that they're seeing in the industry to adapt to a more nimble model. And, you know, for me, I always like getting that data feedback, right? I'm a data geek. So I love to get that kind of elemental feedback and looking for ways that truly, holistically, the entire conversation can be advanced more productively, right? Because it's, you know, too many times people look at change as a judgment, and it's not, it's conditional. The 2020 crisis was not something that was engineered, it's conditional. And we had to adapt. And so I'd love to hear from the audience and the industry as a whole, or have the opportunity to come and talk to different groups about where is the real struggle in that, in adapting to a more of a nimble model, in really getting so that helps us in refining our ability because you know what we again what we talk to is that your potential is our purpose that's our focus you know as a business i love it well of course be able to do that alex we need to know you know get a hold of you online so social yes, media contact points online websites or otherwise of course we'll go ahead and mention the book as well where can we find all the goodies all the goodies you can find them at Principally at www.the-mcorp.com, the-mcorp.com. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. I also have alexcastro.io. Pretty much just type my name in, mcorp, and you'll have a plethora of listings, good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> and the book. Where can we and find book. the book? book is on Amazon. It's also on Audible. So if you like to have a nice listen to it. That was a great adventure recording a book. There was a lot of laughing in between. So, you know, trying to keep it focused. So the listener just like doesn't lose interest because you're just cracking up all the time. But yeah, so Audible and Amazon, and it's really inexpensive and a great airplane read. If you're getting on a plane these days, uh, or you're on a train and hanging out, yeah, grab a copy. It'd be great. Well, for our community, just simply scroll down in your favorite podcast player to click on through to get a hold of Alex and the team. Also, you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for Alex in the episode where you can also leave feedback, comments, or otherwise for Alex and the team, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Alex, we've extended it a little bit, but you know what? We may have to come back for a part two. I mean, I'd love to. A lot to continue to unpack and, and discuss. You're doing great work, my friend. But before we get you out of here, I do have one more piece for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because... Because I believe in change, you know?
I mean, it's a little corny, but no, it's not. It's hard stop, man. You know, you started it off with, Hey, you got to be adaptable. We're going to believe in change. That's, you know, good bookends right there. My friend, <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. This conversation is needed now more than ever because things are only going to continue to accelerate. We need to have this mindset and carry us forward. So thank you for spending time on the podcast. And more importantly, thank you for spending time with our community. We really appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being inclusive. And I'm excited for what you're doing on this podcast. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 